0: you're listening listening to hold that thought
1: from arts and sciences at washington university in st louis hello and thanks for listening to hold that thought i'm your host rebecca king and today i'm re-releasing an episode that i did two years ago with kathleen Finnerin a memoirist and writer-in-residence here at Washington University in St. Louis. When she was younger, Kathleen's family faced a tragedy, which I'll let her tell you about, and eventually Kathleen decided to write about it. Together we discussed the challenges that arise when telling the story of your life and the lives of the people around you, especially when they may have a different perspective on events than you do, We also talk about the way that writing can actually help us make sense of and process the tragedies in our lives. So here's Kathleen Vinnerin on the art of the memoir. The book is called
0: The Tender Land, and the subtitle, I think, really describes it well, which is a family love story. And it's the story of my family, and at the center of it is the story of the death of my younger brother, Sean who committed suicide when he was 15 in 1982. So it's been quite a long time. I was 24 at the time when he died. And it's really the story of everyday life with my family. That's the major part of it, I think. And filtered into it is the story of a death that disrupts that everyday kind of quality of life. And it, to me, is a book that's kind of a testament to how a family regroups and redefines itself and resurrects itself and keeps going after a major loss within them.
1: A tragedy like this leaves a lasting impression on a family. As a writer, one of the first things I want to know is How did Kathleen approach writing about such an emotionally wrought episode in her own family? Was it difficult to stay detached or to balance her own grief? That never was a factor for me. It always just
0: felt like a way to find language that really fit what I wanted to communicate about whatever instance or situation I was writing about. I never felt beleaguered by it or as if I was entering a state of depression about it. And I think, you know, I was at such a beginning stage of writing that everything was just so exciting to me when I would find a way to do something that worked on the page. It was so exhilarating. That was the force that was more predominant than any kind of depression of thinking about what happened to my brother and to our family. I mean, it was saddening, of course. As with, I think, most pieces of writing, they become a vehicle for understanding what happened in a way that wasn't apparent previously.
1: So that, too, felt like a kind of tonic that I didn't realize I needed. Kathleen admits that she was still a fairly young writer at the time she decided to write the memoir. And this new passion for the craft of writing may have actually protected her in some ways. An editor in New York who was familiar with Kathleen's work offered her a contract for her memoir after reading just the first essay, giving Kathleen a year to write the book. But in the end, the book took 10 years for Kathleen to finish.
0: When the whole process was over, when I was finally finished, and turned the manuscript in after 10 years of working on it, then I got really, really, really terribly depressed. And I realized, after thinking about that for a while, that I think that writing about him gave me a kind of socially sanctioned way to prolong the grieving process. And so I just got to luxuriate in that in a way that I wasn't cognizant of at the time, and then without anything left to write about them, then I really had to face what you do with emotion when you're not putting it on paper. And that made for a difficult summer.
1: Once the manuscript was completed and sent to the publishers, Kathleen then presented her family with the book so that they would have a chance to read it before it became public. Their response was not what she had expected.
0: I gave them each a copy of the manuscript when it was complete, when I turned it into my publisher. I knew there would be like a nine-month process that was the production process before it came out, so I gave them all a copy so that they could read it before it came out, and it was in May of 1999, and I refer to that as the summer of hell because the response wasn't as I anticipated it would be from my parents. My siblings were, for the most part, okay with it, and really were in awe of it, and said some really nice things about it, about how they felt that I captured certain personalities of family members really well, which meant a lot to me, and nothing in it seemed to cause them trouble. Well, there was one interesting response from my younger sister, who was 12 when my younger brother died. We have a family that spans 16 years among my siblings. And my younger sister was 12 when my brother died. There was a nine-year gap between me and my younger brother and a 12-year gap between me and her. And the older of us were already moved out of the house by the time this happened. And she suddenly felt like an only child, I guess, in that household. Anyway, she had some struggles with it. And when she was about 16, she attempted suicide herself in the same manner that my brother did, which was to swallow pharmaceutical pills that my father was taking. And I didn't write that in the book. I didn't put that in the book because I didn't feel it was my story to tell. That was her privacy. And she was, you know, very young. And Her response was she wondered how the book could be complete without that in it. And I had actually written that story, but not put it in. I just wrote it for my own purposes. And I said, well, I have those pages written. If you want to read them, if you want me to put them in, I will. And I think that they are an important part of the story of how our family continued. And so so she asked me to put those in, and I did.
1: When telling the story of her family, Kathleen makes an important distinction here between her story and the stories that belong to other members in her family.
0: For the most part, my siblings were very supportive. My parents, not at all. And I feel grateful that I wasn't living in the same town with them that summer as they were reading it, because I was getting their response filtered through my older sister. And there are admissions in the book about my own sexuality and about shoplifting that I did as a teenager. And my father was appalled that the world would read that. He's very Catholic and very religious, and so he kept saying, it's one thing to have sinned, it's another thing to tell the world your sins." So he was very embarrassed, I think, both for me and for himself, for that to come out. And my mother, she had a, an illness when she was in her 40s, in which most of the potassium drained out of her body and she went into a coma for a while. And when she came out of it, she had lost a lot of her memory which she never regained a lot of the memory she regained but a lot of it she didn't and so there were details in the book about things that she had no recall of and some of the things she felt I was making up and she was just really distressed by a lot of what she was encountering that was unbelievable to her that it had happened in our lives, and she couldn't recall it, and it was a very anxiety-producing experience for her. She actually had to go on anxiety medication. It was that severe. And so they asked me not to publish the book, and I was at a point where I was thinking, if it's causing them this much stress that I shouldn't publish the book, which was heartbreaking to me, And my editor basically said, you actually don't have a choice about that. And, you know, now is the time to grow up and
1: learn what it means to be a memoirist. Her editor's response may sound a little harsh, but it is the reality of the publishing world. The book had been under contract for 10 years and was in the middle of being printed. There was no turning back at that point. Fortunately, as the book made its way into the world, her parents' opinions of the book began to change.
0: So obviously the book got published shortly after that summer. In the early fall, I had gotten from the publisher the artwork for the cover. And I called my mother one night and told her about the artwork for the cover. And she said, let me ask you something. Did I read that book? Because she had ongoing memory problems. Was just through her whole life, and I said, "Yeah, you read it." She said, "I'm sure it was a really good book, but I don't remember any of it." She said, "I'll read it again." I said, "You know, you don't have to read it again. (laughs) Once is enough." And my father was angry, very much, until the book came out and started getting some good response. I'm not talking about good response from media or anything, which it did get some, but good response from his friends and the people in his parish who were reading it and liked it and that started to change his perspective about it. And one Sunday after Mass, and I happened to be in St. Louis at the time, so it must have been some holiday that I had come home for, and I didn't go to church with him, but he came home from Mass and he said, after Mass, Joe so-and-so came up and asked me if he could give me a hug. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, I've never been approached like that, somebody asking me if they could give me a hug. And so I just said yes. And when he hugged me, he said, I just had to hug the father of the woman who wrote that beautiful book. And my father started crying. And he said, I was so concentrated on what I didn't like about that book that I really missed what there was to appreciate about it. And he apologized. And he read it again. And and then he became kind of a big fan. He actually typed out the last paragraph of the book, which he always talks about being the best paragraph he's ever read in his life, which you should keep in mind. He's not a reader, so that doesn't say a lot, but he typed it out and he on a, like a business-size card and laminated it and keeps it in his wallet so he can read it anytime he wants. So eventually, everybody came to a point of appreciation, but it was a rocky road for a while.
1: From her experience of publishing her first book, Kathleen says she's learned an important lesson about perspective and memoir.
0: I really had it in my mind that I was writing this testament to love between a group of people. And so that was a good lesson for me to you know keep in mind that just because I'm putting a depiction on paper that I think looks a certain way doesn't mean it's going to look that way to the people who are involved and who are being depicted. A friend of mine kind of put some perspective on that for me during when this was all going on, and she said, you know, it's like when somebody has a picture of you that they think is the best picture that has ever been taken of you, and they show it to you and you can't stand it. It's that kind of thing.
1: Many thanks to Kathleen Finneran for sharing her story with us. If you're interested in reading more about this story, check out her memoir, The Tender Land, A Family Love Story. And thanks to you for tuning in. Have thoughts of your own after today's podcast? Find us on Facebook or Twitter and join the conversation.